Welcome to our Tuesday get-together at the Radio Backyard Fence. This is Chris Fabry Live, and we have something good for you today. Back in October, we had Dana K. White on the program, and we gave away her book, Organizing for the Rest of Us. And we talked about clobbering clutter instead of being clobbered by it. And many people responded. Maybe you did. Maybe you gave a gift. Maybe you received that book back in October or November. Here's my question to you. How's that going? (laughs) Were you able to make any changes? Did you read the book and then put it on a shelf? Or did you actually put it into practice? So if you... If you get in touch today, I want you to tell us your story, your your clutter, decluttering story, your organizing story of what happened in the last couple of months. Or maybe you weren't listening back in October, but right now here in January, you want to clobber clutter. You want to get your house, your office, your garage, your kitchen, whatever it is, you want to get it under control and keep it that way. I have a real life example of following Dana's advice. We'll talk about that kind of more of a confession than an example, but I'll be honest with you. You do the same with me today. Before we clobber clutter together, let me thank our team, Ryan McConaughey, doing all things technical. Trish is our producer in the chair today. Gab D will be answering your calls. And before we deal with the piles of paper and the things we can't throw away and don't know how to organize, a lot of people feel that way about their prayer life. Their prayer life is cluttered. Do you feel that way? And it's because of the distractions Your mind wanders, you start praying for something, and then all of a sudden you're doing something else, can't stay focused. And and maybe part of it is you wonder if God's actually listening to you. I have a great resource for the new year, Dr. Bill Thrasher's How to Resurrect a Dead Prayer Life. Dr. Thrasher is painfully honest. He writes, even though I was frequently involved in the activity of prayer, (laughs) I desperately needed our Lord to teach me how to pray. So he was in the middle of a dead prayer life, and he didn't realize it. He was praying, but he didn't realize that connection. Is that you? Give a gift of any size. We'll send you this excellent, encouraging little book, How to Resurrect a Dead Prayer Life. Call 866-95-FABRY, 866-953-2279, or go to chrisfabrylive.org. Scroll down. You'll see how you can be a friend or a partner with us right there. chrisfabrylive.org. As I said, back in October, Dana K. White came alongside us, gave a lot of encouragement about clutter, and this was her struggle a long time ago. She began a blog titled, A Slob Comes Clean, (laughs) and people came out of the woodwork, and she started helping them with her blog and her podcasts and her videos and now her books. She has helped so many who struggle. We're going to feature at the website, Decluttering at the Speed of Life, Winning Your Never-Ending Battle with Stuff today. That might help here in January. Dana, welcome back to the program. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back. Decluttering at the speed of life. Everybody thinks of speed of light because that's as fast, but you say speed of life. What does that mean? Well, it means real life. It means whatever your energy limitations, whatever your time limitations, whatever your attention limitations are, you can declutter using this method and it works in real life. So for example, let's say that you have young kids and you think, well, I can't declutter because they distract me or I'm not able to, you know, stop and work on this space for this amount of time. The whole 
method is designed that whatever amount of time you have, even if you don't know how much time you're going to have, you can make real progress. And so you can get started, step away at any point, and you'll never have put yourself in a worse situation than you were in before. You'll only make progress. Excellent. So there's no, there's no guilt or shame here. If right. some of the kids make a mess, you know, or get their toys out again, you, you're still better off than uh, doing something than not, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because a big part of my issue before with decluttering and with my desire to change my home was that I was very idealistic. And I thought, okay, I, you know, I have a lot of clutter, so I need to set aside an entire day or honestly an entire weekend, or you know what, I'm going to spend my entire Christmas break doing this or, or once the kids are in college or once I'm retired. I mean, like that's how my brain would go because I was like, no, there's so much that I've got to set aside time which meant I didn't actually do anything on my house because I never had the amount of time I thought I would need to be able to tackle this. Meanwhile, it just kept getting worse and worse, which made me more overwhelmed. And so I had to find a way to start making progress in my actual real situation that I was living in. Yes. All right. So we're going to open the phone lines for you today. You can talk with Dana Decluttering at the Speed of Life is our featured resource. Here's the number 3675 877-548-3675. Give me your, if you got the organizing for the rest of us book, give me a success story. Has it helped? Has it not? And if it hasn't, if you didn't have that, just tell me where you are here in January. I'll tell you where I was just a, a week ago or so. Dana. I've got this filing cabinet that I'm trying to pare down. It's got a lot of the old uh, tax information that I've got to hang on to mm. and some that I don't, <laughs> but I'm scared to throw it away anyway. Um, and so I'm going through just the top drawer. And the first thing I pull out is a Christmas card from my second, my second grade teacher. And I sit down <laughs> and I look at this Christmas card from last year where she said, uh, here's my phone number. Call me. Let's talk. And I never called her. And so, uh-huh. you know, there's the guilt and the and the shame and all that. But at least I kept it. You know, at least I have her number and her address now. The very the second letter that was in there that I'd squirreled away was from 2018. And it was a listener who said, I heard your program last month, and here's what it did for me. And I love your folksy way. And she gave a couple of different compliments that were just so spot on, you know, for, it just enlivened me. It made me feel alive again. That's as far as I got. I never got to the rest of the thing because I was <laughs> reading the thing. What is wrong with me that I can't actually focus to, and I'm reading these rather than decluttering? <laughs> I think that's normal. I do. Um, the the way that I tackle spaces like that that are that I know are going to have either some sentimental things that I I just can't possibly you know make myself let go of, even if I feel like possibly I should let go of it, or if I know it's going to be a big decision to make, I just say I'm going to just look. I'm going to look in this space with no commitment other than. I'm going to go through item by item. And if there's trash, I'll get rid of that. If there's anything that isn't just automatically, obviously trash. So like that letter, you might debate, should this be trash? Should it not be trash? It's not because it's debatable. So I'm going to give myself permission to look through the papers and only get rid of things that I'm like, oh, well, of course, you know, I mean, like half the time there might be, you know, a bill, but then there's 
five other sheets of paper that they put in the envelope plus the envelope that I realized, oh, I can stick that in recycling. And just doing that, going through it once with no commitment, it does two things. First of all, it makes it smaller because you are going to find things that are no commitment, obvious trash, right? But then the other thing that happens is now your brain knows what's in there. And so the next time you go through it, it's not discovery anymore. Like it was this first time, like, oh, I forgot about this letter from the teacher. Oh, I forgot about this letter from a listener. Now your brain has had time to adjust and it's going to be easier for you to go through it in, in the future. So there's a lot of value in that low commitment. I'm just going to get rid of obvious, easy, decision-free trash. Okay. That's helpful. Now, here's the other helpful thing that you did. You said there is no magic desk, and I sit at the magic desk today in uh, <laughs> here in Arizona, and I, I'm looking at the desk, and and for pretty much, I mean, there's a little bit of clutter on there now because uh, I've got a few. I've got your book here and a book for That's tomorrow. Not it's not My clutter. My book's not okay. clutter. Okay. <laughs> Good to know. But here's what I did. I went out after your program in October, October, and I bought this little box because you're very you're a container person. You have the container concept because my desk was overrun with all of these little note cards where I'd take notes and scribble them on there and then just kind of squirrel them away over here. And look at this. Here's the box. It's not full yet. And you said, you know, you can put as many as you can. You can get in there. So I have this little box that helps me. My problem is with the notes that I have probably about 10 or 15 in front of me that have current things that are there, the program ideas and that kind of thing that I don't want to put in the box because every, when I put it in the box, I don't look in there anymore. <laughs> so what's, what, what, help me, help me, Dana. It sounds to me like the 15 things are the things that need to be in the box and the stuff that's in the box is actually stuff that could go. What do you mean by go? <laughs> what, what well, it? okay. So instead of me saying it like that, go through yeah. the stuff in the box, okay. acknowledging that you never look through it and say, what yeah. can, what is obvious trash that's in here? Most likely you're, and, and don't make, if anything is not obvious trash, you skip that. Yeah. Okay? okay. Most likely you're going to reduce that by half. First thing least. I've First thing I pulled out of there is a, a, a tire place that was going to do my tire rotation or uh, alignment check, and it expired 12, 24, 23. Trying to throw that away. Look at that. Yes. Whew, yeah. Don't I feel better? <laughs> <laughs> but if you but, do that and you go through it, you're going to get rid of the vast majority of it. And most likely it's those 15 things that need to be in there. And maybe it needs to be a smaller container so that it doesn't hold quite so much. Cause we don't no, want it to just be. It took me a month to find this one. <laughs> <laughs> I kid you now, not. Remember for me, I try to make a drawer or some pre-existing thing, in the container. I don't mm -hmm. like to go out and buy new containers. I like to just say, okay, what can I just acknowledge? Now this is the reality me. of this. Now you give me shame yeah. and guilt on top of that. No, this no, was, I'm not. I'm not. This is only like $4 made in China uh, <laughs> from Bentonville, Arkansas. And it, it works. And if it, you know what? If I decide to do a drawer, I'll use this for something else. But this is yeah. the kind of help that Dane is going to give you today. Decluttering at the speed of life is our featured resource, winning your never-ending battle with stuff. Your phone call straight ahead if you uh, read the book or got the book Organizing for the Rest of Us back in October, November. What has that done in your life? We'll hear a story about that straight ahead. Our number is 877 
548-3675. Let's clobber clutter together today on Chris Fabry Live. talking with author, blogger, podcaster, speaker, and much to her own surprise, decluttering expert Dana K. White. Featured resource today is Decluttering at the Speed of Life. This is just what you need in January. Find out more at the website, chrisfabrylive.org. I'm, I'm hopeful that there's somebody listening today who heard the program back in October, got Dana's book, Organizing for the Rest of Us, and something good has happened. And look, lo and behold, we go to Nelson, Illinois. Susan is on the line. Hi, Susan. Go right ahead. Hello. Thanks for having me. Hi, Susan. I just want to let Dana know that she has changed my life. I now have a house that I'm not ashamed of all the time. And the biggest thing is that when my house does get cluttered and out of order, I, and I feel overwhelmed, I just start doing the dishes first. <laughs> That's and wonderful. I love that. Do the dishes. In fact, my son was complaining about his house, and I told him to do the dishes. <laughs> he didn't like it. <laughs> Thank you so much I, for and, sharing that. Oh, I have about three more other ones to do, too. Four. Um, my house, I used to laugh with my friends, saying that their my clean house was dirtier than their dirty house. Because I just could never get anything picked up. You know, they'd have a rug out of order and thought their room, their house was dirty. And I'd spend two days cleaning and my house still looked terrible. So then I no longer feel that way too much. And then I feel as though I can now post pictures on Facebook without worrying about what's in the background. Too embarrassing. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. You had to know that feeling too? I absolutely <laughs> know that still- feeling. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then... um my husband passed away in 2020 from cancer during COVID. And he was a worse hoarder than I was in trying to get rid of himself, the stuff I know I should sell it. And, but I'm just not a seller. Nothing ever works for me to sell anything, hardly, not most of it. So I finally used the head explosion rule. And if I feel like it's going to explode my, I mean, I was hanging on to some stuff that would probably get me $300 and, I didn't know how to do it, so I finally felt like my head was going to explode. So I gave it to a really good thrift shop that I like to support, and they were thrilled to get it and to be able to get the money for it. Wait so a minute. I Let me stop right there, explode. Susan, So because you just mentioned you know this huge loss in your life. But, you, Dana, you know that head explosion rule. Explain that for those who don't know about it. Yeah, so <laughs> it, it was something I had to decide for myself. In my own decluttering process, I would find myself like she is in her situation in a, in a place where I'm like, I don't know, do I keep it? Do I do this with it? Do I not? What, wait, but what if this happened? And what if this, and I finally had to decide no physical item is worth my head exploding. So if it makes me feel like my head's going to explode, that's my decision. I'm just going to get rid of it. And that freedom to say Oh, I don't have to agonize. I don't have to mm. think of all the different shoulds and coulds and woulds. Instead, I can just let it go. And then you experience, as I think you have, Susan, that ex- that feeling of 
relief when it's gone. And then that builds upon itself and builds that decluttering momentum and really makes future decluttering decisions so much easier. Susan, what was the hardest thing that you gave away that you felt like your head was going to explode and you said, you know, I'm going to give this away? What was that? This last last thing about 10 years ago, maybe 15 years ago, a second cousin of mine had died and left us some money, left me some money. And we bought from Ikea a a bathroom um, cabinet, the sink, and the mirror in hopes to remodel the bathroom, which, you know, had yellow mirror light you know, stuff on the walls and the yellow shell sink. Um, but we never got to it before my husband died. And after he died, I did get it remodeled, but I picked what I wanted instead of the compromise we made when we were, the two of us were picking it out. So um, I had to get rid of that. And I knew it was worth, we spent $500 on it, all three pieces. Yeah. And they were all in their boxes. And I didn't know how to post them to sell them to make them see what they looked like. And everything like that. And he was one who always wanted to sell. I'm saving this to sell. I'm saving this to sell. And I just, I would rather give it away. So half of the problem, half of the struggle for you then is getting his voice. And you love him. And and he was the way, and you love his the, the quirky way that he was. But you just said, you know, you had to compromise on this. You had to get his voice or the look that he would give you if you told him, I gave that to the thrift store that we like. Right. You had to get that out of your head in, in order to move forward, right? Correct. Yeah, I laughed about saying that his ashes are probably blowing all over the place now. You know, instead of rolling in the grave, he he was cremated, so his ashes are blowing all over the place, mad at me. Yeah, but but you know that's not true. I feel much better. Yeah, I know it's it's not true. Okay, there's still stuff of his I have to get rid of, but I know I can do it when the time comes. Dana, respond to Susan. No, I, I think that that you know it's it's one of those things where. Obviously, I just made up this rule, right? Like, I mean, it's, I just made it up. It's not this written in stone. It's not in the Bible. You know, like if something makes you feel like your head's going to explode, get rid of it. But by having the rule and what I have found in being able to teach this to other people and to share this with other people, I hear from people all the time who say the head explosion rule has helped me so much. And I'm like, that was something in my own process that helped me. And then I wrote about it. And then it's such a blessing to me to be able to give that to people, you know, to to give this permission that obviously nobody needs my permission, but knowing that it's not worth it. And then what you've experienced in that freedom of now those things are gone and you don't have to ever think about them again. You don't have to move around them or move them again. That takes you so far as you continue in your decluttering efforts. So I, I absolutely love hearing your story and um, I'm so sorry for your loss, Yeah, but I'm so excited for you that you, uh, you know, have made this progress. That's, that's amazing. I think Susan, thank you. I think the fear and the guilt play in here because I'm, I'm listening to her story. I'm just identifying so much about getting rid of this and I know exactly how much we paid for that and why, you know, so that was a mistake. So I'm saying, ah, we were stupid to buy that, you know, condemnation. And when I watch these antique roadshow things, you know, the people who bring in this, I bought this at a a yard sale for $5 and how much Oh, it's like $3 million now. 
And and everybody says, wow, look at that. Isn't that wonderful? I always identify with the person who was having the garage sale, <laughs> who let it go for five bucks when it was, you know, really expensive. I, I don't want to make a mistake. I don't want to be foolish with the things. Right. And so that holds me back from not, not just the coupons that I have, <laughs> but that right. holds me back from the stuff of my life. And the stuff of my life is holding me back, isn't it? Right. There, there's a chapter in Decluttering at the Speed of Life, and I teach this on my podcast and YouTube and channel and all that as well, but about the value trap. You know, this idea of this thing could have value if I only knew what to do. But the reality is that the person bringing the stuff to the roadshow antiques or whatever it was called, the person bringing there that there doesn't have access to the person who's going to pay $3 million for that, right? And so for them to get to the person with $3 million, they have to have a lot of knowledge. They have to have, a, it's a lot of work, you know? So the, the value trap is this idea that I'm going to make all this money from this item. And yet to make this amount of money that I have in my mind that it could be worth, it's a lot of work. And the the more money that you want, the more knowledge and work that you have to put in. If you will get rid of something and give it away, no, you don't get the money, but it's the easiest possible thing to do. So the number one piece of advice that I give people, because the one thing you don't want is to keep something in your house that you cannot stand just because you think it could be worth something. The advice I give is pick one thing that you are most confident is worth the money. It, it would make you a lot of money and sell that thing. Find the way to sell it. Go through the process because you will either then know how to do it or Usually what happens is you realize that was a lot of work and I didn't get near as much what I thought I was as what I thought I was going to get for that and probably made, you know, 50 cents an hour for all the work that I put on put into it and so then you're willing to get rid of to to give away the rest of the stuff but don't let it just sit in your house feeling the resentment cuz yes. that's not helpful in any way. <laughs> Life is too short. Okay, so here's another October update from Lisa in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. Hi, Lisa. Go right ahead. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Um, Dane, I have to thank you with all my heart because yours is the only one. Your system, I, I picked up decluttering for the rest of us when I heard you with Chris um, a few months ago. And I almost didn't because I thought, okay, one more decluttering book, one more <laughs> article, one more thing to listen to. And I hadn't made measurable progress. Well, I got your book and it's been amazing and I'm actually so happy. <laughs> and it's been measurable progress. It's given me hope. And um, it's very positive. I find it positive because, like with container concept, um, I look at everything as a container now, whether it's yes. a door or a room or a house. And it's enabled me to um, give stuff, good stuff to my friends or donate to charity. And also it allows me to keep some things for myself. So that's cool. Um, I also love the head explosion because I, too, wrestled with stuff, and I'm like, this is crazy. So now I just pitch it or give it away. (laughs) Exactly. That's been been just so, so like an epiphany, right? And um, the dishes first, I was skeptical at first. I'm like, okay, here goes, because I know what I do. The dishes are in the sink, and it takes longer. So I tried it, and it's a habit now. Um, And the last happy thing, yeah, the last thing is my daughter, who was recently married, came to um, visit, and we were shopping together, and I had told her about you and your concepts and even showed her some things in the book when we were eating one day. So on a different day, we went out shopping, 
And she's like, oh, i got to organize my pantry. And we were looking at clothes and all kinds of stuff. But she had a couple um, bins and baskets in her cart. And on her own volition, she said, wait, I'm going to do what that lady says and put these back and pull out the stuff out of my pantry and then decide what I need to buy in the way of organizing bins and drawers. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> that is so exciting. <laughs> That's like the that's like a light bulb going on. So it Lisa, is. tell me about the the room in your house that now you used to not even want to walk in there. That now it's like ah, I, I want to go there. I well, I've kind of had to um, circle around the house <laughs> because I was guilty, uh, you know, for what I call legitimate reasons. But anyway, I was guilty of having just stuff in rooms that I shouldn't have had. So I would say it was pretty much in almost every room. Um, so what I'm kind of doing is gradually, I try and do the rooms people will see first if they walk in. Yes. Um, and it just is such a relief. You know, it takes away stress to have order. Yeah. Relief or freedom. I can hear it in her voice, can't you, Dana? Absolutely. And you know, the less stuff you have, I think what you're experiencing is when there's less stuff, there's just less to get out of order. So that is less time that you have to spend on things. And it's, yeah, that's amazing. That's so, I'm so excited to hear your story. Brain space. Um, there's a, there's another concept that you talk about priority space that I want you to talk about when we come back. Dana K. White is our guest today. We're talking about decluttering and the featured resources, decluttering at the speed of life. Winning your never-ending battle with stuff. We have it linked at the website, chrisfabrylive.org, chrisfabrylive.org. We're also talking about that book that we had, uh, we gave to Backfence friends and partners in October, Organizing for the Rest of Us. If you have a story, if you have a question for Dana, 877-548-3675, 877-548-3675. I have heard the sound of freedom in the voices of our two friends who've called us today. Instead of guilt and shame about their clutter, they feel freed up to live. And I want to talk real briefly about some other women and men who are living with regret and guilt like a dark cloud that is over them concerning a decision that they made decades ago, years ago, maybe months ago. CareNet started an ARC ministry, A-R-C stands for Abortion Recovery and Care. And wouldn't you know, the director of that program, Jill, has traveled that road of regret, and she has used her deep struggle to help other people. And I wonder if there's anybody listening today who has this in their past, his or her, and it's... It's hanging around you like that, you know, the old rhyme of the ancient mariner, the albatross around the neck. And you can't, it's, it's just always there. You do not have to live that way. And what Jill has done, well, do this. Click CareNet at chrisfabrylive.org. And then when you go to CareNet, click Abortion Recovery and Care. And that's where you can start your healing journey. And maybe you're saying, well, I don't have that in my past. Somebody you know, 
right down the street, right down the pew, is struggling with lingering emotional pain because of abortion. This might be the the gift of life to that person to, to point this out. So click the green CareNet button at chrisfabrylive.org. It might just be the thing that sets them free, and you will hear that sound in their voice as well. Go to chrisfabrylive.org and click the green CareNet button today. Dana K. White has written Decluttering at the Speed of Life, Winning Your Never-Ending Battle with Stuff, and here's Jan in Florida. Hi, Jan. Hi, how are you? Doing great. Thanks for calling. So, um, yeah, I've I've, um, struggled with this for for many, many years. Um, And I actually, as I was waiting on the phone, I can really trace back where it started is from my childhood. Um, My mother worked at a little, at a Sears and Sometimes during the summer, she would get, I would go to work with her, but I would spend my time in the five and dime store back when everything was the dime, and she'd give me like $2, and I would spend hours picking out stuff. And so that really started my thing of, of you know, making myself feel better by buying something. And, um, you know, and as through the years, as things have happened, uh, my parents both passed away within the within about eight months of each other. So I got a lot of stuff from them and literally living back in Texas in a three bedroom house using one bedroom because I had so much stuff that I had collected. Uh, and I moved to South Florida. I was suffering with depression and uh, went through recovery process. And um, the very first time I ever shared about hoarding, I had to, somebody come up to me and say that you're the first person who ever uh, talked about this because mm-hmm. there's a lot of shame involved with it. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I'm glad to hear that this is being discussed. And I still sometimes have a hard time if I'm in a meeting or uh, to say, hey, I'm a hoarder because, you know, with the TV shows, I always feel like I need to explain. I'm not as bad as the shows, but really it doesn't matter because whether it gets to that point or, or not, it's still something underneath. And it is something I've been, I've been getting victory from, but there's still ups and downs. Good for so. you. Good. And the, Jan, thank you for saying that because that I mentioned the sound of freedom. I, I can hear it in your voice. It's still a struggle for you, but you're you're gaining victory. You said, um, and, but there's somebody who's listening who wanted to call in today and they didn't because of that. You know the shame, and I, I just don't want to don't even want to talk about. I don't want to admit this, and I want to talk about it. So just your right. call is going to help somebody else. So now let's turn to Dana. Yeah. What what do you say to J- Jan? Yeah, I mean, I'm so excited for you. I'm, I'm, I think it's, uh, like you said, talking about it is difficult, but people need to hear it. You know, I, it took me a lot to, uh, you know, when I first started writing about this online, I was not, I had no intention of teaching anyone anything. I was just sharing what I was trying to do to figure it out in my home. And, you know, I called myself a slob, which I had never called myself that before. And it was, but I have to be clear that I was anonymous in the beginning because this was my shameful secret. And uh, over time, you know, I learned things. I 
but mostly I also learned there were a lot of other people out there suffering silently as well. And so one of the things that God's really worked in me on is that I'm willing to talk about it because even though occasionally, and it's pretty rare, honestly, but occasionally I will get rude comments or people saying things to me. And yet I'm like, it's worth it because for every one person who thinks less of me because I share this, there are literally thousands of people who desperately need to know that they're not alone. And so that right there, I would say of of the emails that I get from people, the vast majority will tell me that one of the most helpful things to them was finding out that they weren't just alone and broken to, to find out there are other people who struggle and there is a way to get through this it is huge. But when nobody talks about it, how are you supposed to know that, you know? Right. right. And the, the psychological connection that she made with, I could just see her as a little kid. Cause I, we had a Sears store in, you know, in our neighborhood and, and uh, my mom would take me there and it's a lot, a lot of good memories, but for her, it's more this, I sated my my desire, my longing for these little little dime store things. So to make that be able to make that connection, I did the same thing as I'm listening to Jan. I'm thinking, why is it so hard for me to get rid of stuff? Well, I grew up with parents who lived in the depression, so anytime they got something, they, they held on to it because they knew what it was like to not have anything. And yeah. that leaked down onto me, uh, especially the financial thing. You know, boy, you got taken on that deal. You should never have spent that much on that because, you know, you got to do it this way. And so that that inner voice that you hear from people that you respect and that you love, like your parents or others, that can have a deep impact on you, can't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that that's, you know, of the, of the baby boomer generation, uh, they grew up with depression era parents. And so that is a very common thing is this idea that they were raised with that I need to keep it all because you, because it, you know, just in case something happens. I know when my grandparents moved out of their house, uh, they, <laughs> they filled an entire moving truck with paper products, wow. toilet paper, Kleenex, all, all of that, you know, and uh, because they had lived through the depression. And so they, you know, so it, it's a very natural thing, but then you come to a point where you have a lot of baby boomers now who are like, I need to get rid of this stuff because I, they've just cleaned out their parents' home and yes. they don't want to do that to their own kids. And so they're ready for this getting rid of things. And so I, I think that there's a lot of different influences there, but uh, especially this time of year, you know, we've all brought a lot of stuff in, which makes us start to feel kind of suffocated with stuff. We're ready to get stuff out. So it, it's a it's a very normal feeling for sure. Danny K. White is with us, decluttering at the speed of life, winning your never-ending battle with stuff. Jan, thanks for your call today. Got a couple of lines open for you at 877-548-3675. We're going to talk about priority space straight ahead. You'll find out what that means right here on Chris Fabry Live and Moody Radio.
It's a great conversation for January. It's a great conversation for any time of year because we all have some semblance of clutter, unless you are the person who has everything tamed, and God bless you if you do, help me. (laughs) Come over and help me. Uh, Dana K. White, decluttering at the speed of life, and as she said, this is something that was the wound in her own soul, wound in her own life, that she is leveraging now for our good, um, and she's working on a new project next year. She's got to come back on. You got. I'm not going to tell you the title of it, but it's it's gonna it's gonna knock your socks off, and you'll be able to put them away and probably match them too. But <laughs> you'll the have all the room you need on. for them in the yeah. drawer. <laughs> um, I I have wrote this down on a little note card that I'm going to throw away after today. Uh, it's just the way I am. This is just the way I am. I've always been this way. I'll always be this way. You saw Einstein's desk. Uh, what do you say to that person? I say this is the way I am. So I get it. I get it. And a big, well, I would say probably the number one transformative shift that I have had in my mind that actually resulted in my house finally getting under control was accepting how my brain works. And that does not mean that I accept my house being messy because the reality was I didn't want my house messy. But when someone is naturally organized and they see someone whose house is perpetually messy, it is easy for the person who doesn't have to think through all the different things that they're doing and why and stuff and think, oh, they must just like living that way. So it's hard because I would look at traditional organizing advice and I was lost on page two. I was like, your before pictures are my dream after pictures. And so it's like I was speaking a different language from most of the people who talk about this stuff. And so what actually made an impact on my home was saying, my brain works differently from the brains of naturally organized people. That's why their advice doesn't make sense to me. And instead, I need to find ways that do work for me in my unique situation with how I am. And once I gave myself permission to stop trying again and again and again to do things the way that somebody said they were supposed to work and instead say, okay, that doesn't work, but let me find what does work for me. That's when I finally made progress. Mm, That's really good. Which takes us to Micah in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Hi, Micah, go ahead. Hey, first of all, I'm a big fan of yours. Real good show, love the program. Um, My question today is, is um, when you're decluttering and say you have an heirloom, say you have a hat from your grandparents and you don't really need it, but it's from them. Like, how do you, what's the borderline between it's just stuff and don't throw that, throw it away. It's your, it's an heirloom. It's something sentimental from your past, especially from like a deceased relative. Yeah, that's a great question. So here, here's the thing. I have my decluttering process. And part of that are my two decluttering questions. So I use these questions on literally any item. It can have any kind of special, unique angle to it, but specifically sentimental stuff. It works for everything, but I'll use it with sentimental. So I look at the hat that was my grandfather's and I'm not going to ask myself how I feel about it. I'm not going to ask myself, does it have value? Instead, I'm going to ask myself the same question I do with everything else, which is, if I needed this item, where would I look for it first? And then I'm going to go with that. If I say, I would look for this first on the top shelf in my closet, 
Then I'm going to take it to that space. And then I'm going to face the reality of that space. Is there any room for this hat in the place where I would look for it in my home? Oh, there's no room. Okay, well, then what am I willing to remove from this space to give space to the hat? So maybe there, oh, yeah, there's those snow boots. And now I live in Florida, you know, whatever. So I'm going to take the snow boots out because those can go and that's going to give space for grandpa's hat. But sometimes I'm going to take it to the, the closet and I'm going to look and say, no, every single thing that's in here, I actually need. So there isn't any room for grandpa's hat. So I am in no way diminishing the value or the feelings that I have for that item. I'm admitting and I'm accepting that the reality of my space is that I don't have space for grandpa's hat because the things that my right now life needs get priority. So the things that I actually use on a regular basis, that's where I have to put priority. And so I love the hat but I can't keep it. And it allows me to blame the space <laughs> as opposed to making this hard decision. And I'm letting the space make the decision for me. And if you decide I can't, I don't have the space, you could call other family members and say, hey, I've got grandpa's hat. I don't have room for this anymore. Is this something that you would like? And if everybody says, no, I, I, I'll pass. And you're still sitting here with the hat. What do you do? Well, you donate it. Okay. And you let it go to someone. And, but but the reality is, if it is important to you, then give it a space. It's yeah. perfectly fine to give it a space. Maybe there's something that's iffy and you say, because most of us, there are definitely people who truly do not have the space, but most of us can devote some space to that. Keep the hat as long as it's in the place where you would look for it first and it actually has space to be there. The problem for me was that I used to think, well, I can't get rid of that because that's sentimental. And I can't get rid of that because that's a family heirloom. And I can't get rid of that. Meanwhile, I had so much stuff in my house, way more stuff than I had space to put it in. And it ended up in piles and shoved in places. And then grandpa's hat got ruined. And that was me truly not honoring this item, right? But if I will give it a real space, which I am, I can keep anything. I just can't keep everything. And, and what so you've just it, heard, heard, folks, is priority space. I t- heard, told you yeah. you're going to hear about priority space, and she worked it in. Look at that. This is <laughs> how good Dana is. So, Michael, what are you, what are you going to do with the hat now? I'm going to find a space for it and talk to some family if, <laughs> if I can't find the space. Yeah, and, and don't, don't think of it as deciding on a space. Literally ask yourself, if I needed Grandpa's hat, where would I look for it first? Hmm. And let that be an instinct, not where should it go, but where would I look for it first? And that it needs to be its home. So then you take it to that space and find out, is there room for it here or not? And then that makes the decision for you. And it takes that pressure off of you. This is so helpful. This is just great. And Jackie says that we're talking about her life. So we got to talk with Jackie. Hi, Jackie. Hi, Chris. Hi, Dana. Hi. Hi, I've never read your book, but it's like everything you talk about today, exactly what I go to every yes. day when I look at the house. Yes. Especially with those taxes. I have taxes from 2004. 
And on Friday, I actually attacked those styling cabinet without hearing before hear from you. And I did, I did so good. And I felt so proud. I had bags and I shred and I did it. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, that was good. Yes. So you felt good after the shredding of the old taxes, right? Yes. Yes, I did. Yes, I good did. Good for you. So, so is there yes. another area then of your house that you need help with? Clothes. Clothes. My husband said I have clothes every closet, so much baskets, so much bins. And, tell yeah. he says, and, I, and I love to give away stuff. I do give away stuff. But I said, those cannot be given away because nobody's going to wear them because they only look good on me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, Dana, we got a minute and a half here to help Jackie with her clothes. Yeah. Start with the process. Go. So the process starts with trash with class. I mean, sorry, with clothes. That means anything that is ripped, torn, you know, things that truly are, you know, stained beyond repair. That's trash. Okay. Get rid of that. Then go with anything, get everything out of that space that isn't clothes. That's not supposed to be in a closet because the reality is when you have a pile of stuff, other stuff kind of walks in there and gets with it. Right. So get that out, get rid of the duh donations, which means anything that, Oh yeah, of course I need to get rid of this, get those out of there and then start getting rid of your least favorites until it fits in there usably get toably functionally because if it's a bunch of boxes all shoved into a closet, that's not functional, right? And so embrace the reality that that closet is a container. It is a limited space and you can only have in there what will fit get toably, usably, functionally. Otherwise, if you try to cram more than that in there, then there's no hope of it ever being under control, right? And so get rid of your least favorites until it fits functionally and comfortably. Well, that's a start. Jackie, I love your spirit. I love what you've done with your taxes. I know you have to keep a certain amount of years. I've never been able to pin down exactly how much that is, but I'm glad yeah, that you're doing that the shredding. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Dana, I've learned a new thing. Any book that you have written is not clutter. I, I, did, I didn't know that, and now I do. That's a, that's a, Yes, that's an absolute definite answer. I'm going to keep this organizing for the rest of us on my desk. I'm going to get decluttering at the speed of life. And you have to come back next year and talk with us about the next book, because I think it's going to, you told me the title, I think it's going to free some people up from some of this deep down nagging clutter issue. Uh, and it, it deals with a spiritual issue. So I'll just leave it there. You come back and talk with us then, okay? I would love to. Dana K. White, Decluttering at the Speed of Life. It's our featured resource at chrisfabrylive.org. Subtitled, Winning Your Never-Ending Battle with Stuff. Coming up tomorrow, Jackie Hill Perry is going to be with us, and I hope you will too. On Chris Fabry Live, a production of Moody Radio, which is a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.